When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the depths of Kazedum to the wonderful dinner tables of Linden and the shores of Numenor and the newly christened Mordor. Welcome to Casterly Talk. That was a sad thing to say. This is episode seven, The Eye of the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. This was an emotional one. This was a sad one. And frankly, I need some friends. I need some friends to help me out with this very, very, very depressing and emotional episode and so i am joined today first and foremost by oops we don't need that more than once stop it there you stop it you music you already trying to play me off like we're at the oscars uh we are going to start of course with our lore master rachel cushing levine of the noldor commander of the northern armies how are you rachel i'm very good this was quite the episode i had at least four out loud, out loud exclamations. So we, I'm mm-hmm. excited to <laughs> dig into it. I have a feeling we are all going to share one. Uh, but to fully do that, you know, I met this guy while I was out at sea on a raft. And he seems kind of shady, but I also think he might be the true king of the Southlands, or at least the true king of Texas. And that is my <laughs> friend and partner, Nikki Kumar. What's up, man? Oh, man, yeah. A lot to digest. Uh, but as you were saying earlier, you needed friends. I need friends to talk about this. Um, and yeah, I had a blast last time I was on. So it's a pleasure to be back on on Casterly Talk with you. Yeah, bringing you both together in lieu, of course, of uh, King Ken Knapsack, who, I don't know, I guess he's in Valinor again. But uh, we'll still drama that. You can't stay away. I totally understand, though. I hear I need, it's really nice. I need <laughs> to see Ken doing the singing now on the boat. Oh, 100%. But there, but there would absolutely be a guitar solo or something added in there, which would be very joyful and wondrous. And uh, maybe by the end of this episode, the three of us will tell each other our true dwarven names. I think that that might be an interesting opportunity. So we're going to break this down. A lot happened in this. We had the fight of the Durans, the ideological battle in Khazad Doom. We had sort of the reckoning of the Harfoots and the actual sort of, at least for you know one chapter for them, distinctly over, societally and personally it might seem and a hobbit foursome has formed a little group to go on a trek which we know about that and then we move over to mordor which if you weren't clear on that the very sam raimi-esque font choice at the end really let you know (laughs) rachel you're reacting to that we were going to talk about that i love the cheese and respect it but i was like kind of taken aback (laughs) a little like as soon as he says, you know, it, it's no longer the Southlands. Like, I thought the cheese was going to be him saying it's Mordor. Right. And then instead to do it with the font, I, I was a little like, interesting choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, when the Southlands I, first came up, I thought, no, they're, yeah, they're no, not like going to do clearly, a change. Right. But it's, it's just, it's so interesting because Mordor is actually a Sindarin word, an elvish word. So it would make sense mm. if Adar. Be, having been an elf and now an uruk 
coming up right. with the word. So I just figured he'd say it. So it was strange not to. And then I'm by far not the first person to say this, but like, why didn't they do it with the maps? Because they've been mm -hmm. using the maps in such interesting great right. ways up until this point like to me that would have followed suit with what they were doing they've never done that they've never had like the fade up of the the text and then change like it was it was like i said an interesting choice <laughs> yeah absolutely and we will get there and the way that i sort of want to do this is we're going to break it sort of by storyline because we're back in the mode of having all of them, which sometimes we've left some of them out so we can focus on one thing like we did definitely uh, in, in Udun, you know, as that entire episode. But here in the eye, we'll talk about that title. Obviously, it has very cinematic uh, Lord of the Rings implications. That's something that even somebody that saw the trilogy once would be able to say, oh, yeah, 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 that's a thing. But let's talk about these storylines starting with you rachel where do you want to go what hooked you and what was the big one in terms of uh where you were most most emotionally affected thematically affected i, I feel like i know what you're gonna say but I, I want like you it's to not even a contest <laughs> but like elrond and doran are just the mvps of this show for all the reasons for mm -hmm. the for specifically for the emotion for the when you watch shows like this, you like you you watch them and you're like, I want to be their friend or I want to like have a beer with them or I want to have a sword fight with them. You know what I mean? Like you you relate to them in different ways. And like they to me are just the heart and soul of this whole thing. And that's what makes it so heartbreaking when Doran goes against his father in that way. And the, all the ideas of family and all the ideas of blood and all fire, fire is up, down, left, sideways, a theme in this entire episode. And the fact that dwarves were made from rock and fire and Doran Third's entire speech about that, uh, justifying his decision, but ultimately it coming down to, you know, we don't want to help elves cheat death. That sounds very anti-elvish to me, like very <laughs> much across the board has been established this season, but everything like Doran like in tears telling Elrond that they can't help them I was in tears yeah. and their conversation down in the mines when they're taking a break they're ribbing each other one second about Elrond having maybe thrown the contest to Doran nearly divulging his secret dwarvish name which is such a symbol of what that relationship means to him and then to literally call him a brother which upsets during the third so much like everything about that it's forwarding the story but it's forwarding for, first and foremost their characters and mm -hmm. the emotions that um exist within that relationship and it just every time they're on screen disa too i'm just like give me all of this everything about this is working on every level for me yeah this storyline is definitely the one that i think has become sort of the like you said these are our of course there are many stars but this is our core duo this thematically represents the race relation stuff that's happening here the idea of looking beyond yourselves happening here and nikki to throw it over to you to dive into how you felt about the cause of doom storyline this immediately after the episode is one of the first things that you and i talked about in terms of the one that got you emotionally was this concept of him being sort of the elvish dwarf and him being the dwarvish elf and then to have the elvish farewell so nikki talk about the storyline and how you felt about it yeah i mean first of all it it was one that um because it is such a core piece of how we you know love this show it it, it felt weird not having it for an episode right <laughs> like mm -hmm. for as for as stacked as as udun was it was like ah oh, it's nice to have him back and then to do so with um 
with yeah like really really heavy um character moments i thought was you know it's it's one thing to say um here's all this heavy southland stuff now let's go to another part and you know they're all light and cheery and and it's not it's like they they the relief from the uh plight of the southlanders is replaced or is a is a series of really deep heart-to-heart conversations that challenge each other um grow relationships ruin relationships um and i mean yeah like as of as of now i believe duran is disinherited right like Mm. um and apparently there's a brother that's the first time we've heard that right Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yes i knew that like yeah they had the the conceptually brothers was thrown around Mm -hmm. but a a duran brother was sort of Mm -hmm. like the oh and We've continued sort of that trend of the off-screen sibling with Anarion. Like, yeah. uh, you'll, you're in the season two cast along with a certain husband that we'll be talking about. Uh, oh, so talk about yeah. aha moments. We'll be talking about that. Uh, so yeah, Wait, but Nikki, continue. Uh, <laughs> continue yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think, and then yeah, with the um, I I really loved the the Namarie scene, and just mm. I, there's something about that, like even outside of you know, Tolkien lore and universe, like just those levels of like that trope of like, it's not just goodbye. I always love that. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even in things that are totally opposite, the, the Alvita scene, uh, <laughs> scene in Django, and Jane, yeah. like, you know, like just where it's like, you know, it means something else too. Um, like I always mm-hmm. love those kind of things. And, mm-hmm. and he just, it was one of those things where like you, you felt the love between these two characters and I'll include Disa, like this, these, three characters together have this bond um and yeah i just thought it was really moving and and just you know always this this concept of um you know saying bye it's it's it i'll even throw et right like i'll be right here right it's, yes. it's more than just bye right yeah. like i always love that kind of thing so that and that's for like really got me for this race that is for all intents and purposes immortal outside of certain cases and you know murder and war they for them to have that perspective makes perfect sense it makes perfect sense thematically mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense in the lore it made me think of in, in spanish you know uh via con dios like go toward god and this was sort of the whole idea of is go toward goodness move toward goodness mm-hmm. or toward good this idea that in the episode which if we're gonna if we're going to hang our hats on one theme here, I would propose this. And then of course, everybody else, if you have yours as well, let's talk about them as we move, but overarching to borrow from another fantasy. Like I I said this on Twitter, it's the greatest future failure is the lowest points hit across every storyline here. A new King is wounded. A a new Alliance is shattered because of the old ways. The Harfoots, my God, talk about a shock moment. We'll get there. Um, But this idea that Elrond in, in the face of his own destruction, because that's what he's just found out. He's keeping it together for his friends. But in the face of not only did I fail, we're all going to die. And he can <laughs> still leave them with a go toward good, even when I'm not there. Rachel, talk about that in terms of how you felt, but also in terms of the elven knowledge that you have. Because I don't want to like pigeonhole you because this has been your, your life's fandom. But it seems like if you had to rank them, 
the elves would be your focus. They, yeah, they they were my favorite characters as a kid, and even as I grew up reading all the stories, you know, they remained my favorite characters. It helps that in the Silmarillion, there's a lot of them and a lot yeah. of great ones. Um, and I've always thought Elrond is one of the single most interesting because he's half elven and mm-hmm. not even just half human and half elven. He's also part Maya, so he is a truly distinct and unique character in the lore to which he actually talks about that like being that he has an interesting perspective and that's why he's the one down on his knees begging for this kind of help the one thing i will say is that i don't think that the elves the elves would die if they stayed in middle earth what this is going to do is i think send them to to mm. sail across the sea mm-hmm. sooner than they want to sure. because the overarching story of the elves was they were born or they were created in middle earth they many of them fled to amman um to be with the valinor because morgoth took over and then a whole bunch of them sailed back to middle earth to get back the silmarils but also to go out on their own for the sake of adventure for the sake of self for you know not always just sitting at the the foot of the Valar. So they've had this back and forth thing so much, but they, at their heart, do love Middle-earth. And so many of them stayed after the War of the Wrath because of that love. And so now, to me, it's actually not even just about them dying. It's about them having to abandon Middle-earth again. And that's, you know, because they would die there. That's the the, the point I was taking. And so Namarie is, you know, Elrond is not necessarily going to die but he's going to sail beyond the pale he's not going to be able to ever see Durin again so it is a kind of death especially to their relationship right but um but yeah it's such a beautiful concept as you guys were saying and you know juxtaposed with you know uh Elrond understanding the Kuzdul earlier so Mm -hmm. Elrond understands Dwarvish and and in this case it's Durin that says Numarie before Elrond does so he speaks a little elvish and it's just that back and forth of you know these two are honestly on a different level than the Legolas Gimli relationship these two bridge and create a friendship amongst two races that um, have always had difficulty doing that Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm curious about, especially because you guys are, are big Lord of the Rings fans and you know the uh, the films, the idea of Doran's Bane, and we did see the Balrog at the end of the episode, um, initially, and the line that we all know from the movies is the dwarves dug too greedily and too deep and awakened Doran's Bane. So dwarves in the lore are very stalwart brave um loyal but they're also greedy it's like a part of their nature and one of the things that is sort of hinted at with that is that they were the ones that delved for the mithril Mm -hmm. and therefore awoken um the balrog and that would be the destruction of casa doom keep in mind that's not supposed to happen for another age so either they're speeding up the timeline a lot or they're just you know reminding us he's down there i'm not really sure sure yeah Uh, but it's such an interesting back and forth because if you look at it that way, then Doran the third's in the right. right. He's understanding that there are some boundaries. We shouldn't dig because not only is it potentially dangerous and dwarf, dwarven lives are at stake, but he also says that like they're in danger of um, the shadow. So it's I'm not saying that he knows the Balrog is there, but I think he knows that there is a point to which their greed could get them into trouble. 
Mm -hmm. And so it's such a great juxtaposition to have during the fourth wanting to do it for the sake of the elves, but you still also get like, this is the greatest treasure we could ever unearth. And it's not even just about the elves. It's we would, I would move a mountain as you said, you had a dream or a premise. Right premonition that I would do. So there, he wants to help his friends. That is absolutely there, but he is a dwarf and he knows that there is a treasure trove of this incredibly rare thing that will not only save his best friend and keep him in Middle Earth and save his people, but also put his name on the map. And bring in a new era. All the mountains. His whole thing in the, that was like a big trailer line, a new era. And we were, and then we didn't know how much we would love this guy and how sensitive he would be and how emotionally vulnerable he would be. But what I I like, I love what you're bringing up there with the Balrog. First of all, I mean, there's like, it's Balrog, but then like, yeah. yeah. Uh, But there's also like, a couple times this episode, sort of the Sam Raimi font change at the end, which is what I'm committed to it being, because that's exactly what it was. Uh, and the the leaf going down to the Balrog. I was saying to you, Nikki, last night, like I thought, oh, is that leaf going to burn? That'll be kind of clever if it just burned up in the air. And then we mm-hmm. saw it sleeping and I was like, oh, that's a lot. And then it was awake. And so it, it sort of raises these questions of condensing the timeline. And we'll talk about you know more predictive stuff at the end about what we think. But there's these themes that keep showing up that Adar has spoken to a lot of the lies run so deep. They're in the mountains, they're in the trees. And it's like, could this show be doing its own take on it was elves, but the dwarves got blamed in the history or is it something like the silt, the the light of the Silmarils in the stuff is keeping him sleeping. It's keeping him like subdued. Like Mm -hmm. you could do lots of different things with the pieces that they've introduced. Right. And and what it is, it's, it's you know, the victor's right history. That's mm-hmm. always been the case in the real world. It's one of the things that Martin does so well with Game of Thrones, too, is the story you've been told is not necessarily the true story, especially mm-hmm. if it's thousands of years later. And I, while I don't think it should be they went after the mythal just to save the elves, that's changing it too much for me. You can't rework the dwarven nature that Tolkien has included in here but you can muddy it you can make it gray all we see is gray like there is so much work that this show does especially with realized right and 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 you know and then that's through i mean that all the ash and the gray and what happens to media like that's an overarching theme that things just don't always live in the pure light pure dark and everybody has to to maneuver within that so Mm. this is just another example of potentially doran the fourth doing something from his heart for this brother figure, but also beneath that having an ambition with it. And that is also a piece of why they're going to delve too greedily and too deep and, you know, start their own um, demise eventually. Mm -hmm. And that's so much the interesting part of this is this is a prequel. We know where all this is going. So, so much of this is them finding new ways to get us there that we hadn't Mm -hmm. considered. Especially with the other elements, like goblins are going to be an element. And it wasn't just the Balrog, to my understanding, that was directly, it wasn't just Balrog versus every dwarf. It was, you know, there was a lot of factors that happened in this fall. And to your point about, like, muddying. You know, I'm not at all saying that I never thought this guy would come up in a Lord of the Rings conversation, but I'm not saying that David Fincher's stuff is similar to Lord of the Rings. But David Fincher, the other day I saw a video with him, probably on that screenwriting account we both follow, Nikki, that was talking mm-hmm. about the con- conversations that I'm interested in are the ones where every single person has the righteous argument. And and that's and you you know, who's right morally here between the two Durans? 
and who hasn't had a conversation with that about their parents this is definitely the parent episode in general with a, with a lean toward fathers just because there's more fathers than mothers but of course bronwyn still being an important factor uh, and and a scene that made me tear up but yeah rachel what you're talking about there is is so interesting and i love the way that they have given themselves enough licenses we knew they would with this to do unexpected things but they still haven't gone out of a way that feels like thematically counter like you're saying with the dwarven mm-hmm. nature like i'll throw it to you nikki to start this point but connecting to what you said rachel about you can't change the dwarven nature of greed and so far in the show i have loved one woman so deeply and she has a moment of some pretty dark greed there and that's decent i was gonna say lady Macbeth vibes take it away oh like, my no, goodness <laughs> yes yes i thought that i didn't want to think it because it made me feel dirty so nikki how did you feel about disa having this moment of like I know we talked earlier about not bashing each other's parents, but yeah. sort of walked that back. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely a surprise. I, it wasn't something I expected from um, her character because, you know, it, obviously we saw the, the ride or die nature with Durin when Elrond's like, well, why is this stuff here? Why are you making this meal? And, and mm-hmm. she, you know, and she covered it all up and she knew what she was doing. So we always knew that there was this like, I'll stand by my husband till, you know, the end of end of uh time but i don't think we ever really thought it would go to this this level of like you know screw the king uh like you know this is over we got this this is all ours i think that was the part that like especially got me she's like this is all ours and and i was like okay okay and uh, and yeah i mean it's it is it is such an interesting thing because it's like you know just to rewind it a little back to during the third it's like when he was talking, it almost felt like that meme of like <laughs> the worst person, you know, just made a great point. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just like, it's, it's like, like, damn, that, that's right. I mean, yeah. and I also love, I love his concept of, of shadow where it's like, he doesn't know. I don't think he knows what's down there, mm-hmm. but it's almost very like winter is coming. It's like his version of that. It's like, yeah. I know something bad is out there and you know, it's whatever, it's, you know, something is, there's just yeah. bad, bad stuff is waiting. And he us. keeps invoking yeah. the old, the old mythology of their people and Mm -hmm. you can make the and of course down to their beard colors who is fire and who is stone Mm -hmm. uh is it stone or rock whichever actual verb as he says but yeah to to your point about the worst person it's like he's 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 saying like i know where we come from what we were created and in that is a suspicion yeah that i am speaking to so yeah i think it it like it makes him right in that moment maybe not for the right reasons Mm -hmm. but it's still it's still like you know in the end that is the facts are they're going to ruin their society by following this path whether it's you know maybe it's like you know they they get enough for the elves whatever the elves want and then they're like well let's keep going yeah yeah sure yeah the the, the chisel's hot right or alternatively like you get we get whatever x amount is and then gilgalad could be the one that's like and while we're down here well, we'll be relieving you of your duties and we, we'll, we will be doing the rest because, you know, it, he's still that factor too. And he wasn't present here, but that, that sort of race relation stuff looms over all of this. And I have loved I, the whole, the right of Sigin Tarag since it happened, but it wasn't until after this episode that I was like, what does that even mean? And then I realized that it's them. It's, it's Durin's line, the, the long beards uh, in their language. And so the fact that Durin was able to, invoke essentially saying the right of your family mm-hmm. sort of teed up that brother thing before 
you know, I, Rachel, I'm sure you knew because you probably speak every language. But now that it's there at the present mm-hmm. and that comes back and that's the basis of their brother conversation. Mm-hmm. How do both of you feel? Whoever wants to jump in first or we bounce back to Rachel, I guess, and we'll bounce back again. Um, this idea of the line is hanging over everything. Elrond's been brought into that conversation. Ideologically, we've sort of laid out where they are, but this line sort of having fracturing now and we know it will go on that's the prequel storytelling aspect of it but there's this element of who's going to define it and and how is it going to what is the change of power going to be is i have expected when he took his you know his piece of armor off i expected a father-son right of sigin tarag to go down i almost thought he was going to challenge him Uh, so how how did you think about uh, all that stuff yeah well this is couched in the fact that we have a season finale next week so to me they set up a father-son showdown like a a bigger one because Mm -hmm. we've also established that the other dwarven lords or at least a couple of them liked the proposition coming from elrond like 500 years worth of all kinds of amazing things that they could use <laughs> like the clear out your mountain yeah. like yeah. <laughs> we got furnish it we got feed you got... yeah for, for 500 <laughs> years like that that's not nothing that's actually a pretty mm-hmm. good deal if they live up to the deal mm-hmm. um so i i don't know if they're going to introduce an idea of a son being able to challenge his father, some sort of dwarvish right, or if it's a coup or something darker, I don't know, but I, I just have this feeling that that's where we're leading to, because we do know that Doran the fourth becomes King of Khazad Doom and he might, you know, try to fast track that given this big setback of his, um, again, partially because of his own ambition and wanting to, um, move mountains and, and live up to the to the to this premonition of what he could be and with Disa right at his side saying you know we have to come into our own on this but mm-hmm. also you know he talks about having failed Elrond and that's another thing that's another through line very much people talking about their failures and you know the consequences and blame and regret that's a through line through so many of these stories and yeah. I think that failure like you said at the top the the other quote star wars it's like that will teach you more than you know always having success so this setback is probably just going to put him you know in a stronger place to potentially take over and i and i feel like that is a very good season finale coming to a head Mm -hmm. plot point it feels right for the closing of a chapter and nikki uh, one of my favorite it's one of my it's one of my favorite little moments in Lord of the Rings, but specifically when you quote it because it's always funny. The whole "I'm mine," <laughs> my father was a mine. Like we know what becomes of this, yeah. And it's that interesting thing that we go through as fans of so many of these properties, Star Wars included, uh, House of the Dragon. I don't know if you've heard we do that here on Casually Talking. That is uh, also a prequel, and so it's like you can have these. We know that the bigger failure is coming, but it doesn't invalidate or alter or make uh unworthy the trials and tribulations and victories along the way and the same like does it it's the whole like does darth vader matter if there was still darkness after return of the jedi like that whole stuff so we know this this is going to still end in whatever tragedy it is but so nikki my question to you before we wrap this dwarven section is what is your perspective and what do you think is the perspective of sort of audience members when we're engaging with something that we know 
the ending of and does it make you feel any differently about these characters like how, how do you think they're balancing that honesty i think i think just the way i always sort of look at things like this with house of the dragon as a sort of parallel example because mm-hmm. like we we're watching um the unraveling right like it's it's not like how a new hope begins where it's already bad and they're they're gonna make it better right mm-hmm. like yeah. this is this is oh it's it's okay right now <laughs> and it's just gonna get worse um mm-hmm. so i think it's always like i think we we talked uh, last time i was here about you know the the hubris of these characters and and like that's that's something i fear with um with during the fourth and you know if if there's if there's this upcoming challenge and you know this this whole thing of like you know the, the i'm right i got this and i'm gonna push forward and you know it's gonna mess everything up <laughs> um, yeah. and so yeah i think i think it's it's super important just to in terms of engaging with stories that start in this way and mm-hmm. and make you and where you have an idea already of um you know where where we're going i always i always think it's funny because it's like pe- people who are you know fans of the tri- uh you know peter jackson trilogy and hobbit mm-hmm. movies and um maybe just don't don't know the other stuff you know the the vastness of the the textual lore um that where they're like yeah i don't know like i don't know like it's it's interesting i'm just sort of like lost with rings of power and i'm like well you know the ending. <laughs> like, you've seen mm-hmm. if you see it, watch the beginning of Fellowship. You, you know where we're going, um, and so like it's it's just one of those things where it's like with with these kind of stories, you just have to I think revel in the tragedy, <laughs> um, and just somewhat sort of, yeah, and like just understand that we are we're watching things go wrong, and and it's and it's not about yeah like invalidating things. It's not about you know every every um the battle of coruscant in revenge of the sith is still a win and and you still get excited by it yeah. you know when they when they hit yeah. the landing and they're like and everyone's like Woo! and that's um, sort of yeah that's sort of what i knew as i sort of just teed you up basically to just say what i was thinking because you're the other half of my brain but yeah the i, I love what you said there like that idea i just wanted to have on the record and have here because and, and rachel we can you can chime in too and then i do want you to choose where we go because i feel like there's a natural segue that is the same here. Uh, this idea that we sh- we show you the Balrog to say definitively, if in case you didn't remember, in case you didn't realize what kingdom you were in, because that's possible too. There's a movie fan, there's a movie only fan watching this that is like, oh, it's that place because it looks so different, and it's so, and it's they're not calling it Moria, and it's it's different things. So that I think, do you find that effective, or do you find that to be per- perhaps maybe a a card played maybe too soon. This goes back to something I said in the very first episode that we came into this. I come into it knowing those things. I come into it not even just knowing the movies, but the books. So there is a push and pull there. I might think that that's a little hitting us over the head or a little too early or or, or whatnot. But I have to understand that not everybody is watching it with the level of knowledge that I am. Mm -hmm. And all things considered... It's a really cool shot. It's the foreshadowing. It's another example of showing flame and fire, which is very big throughout this whole episode. Um, and it would make somebody who doesn't know so much about dwarvish lore or what Tolkien wrote. But the idea, if somebody sees that, they're probably going to say, oh, Durin the Third is probably right. 
mm-hmm. you know, so it's their cue to take, get, get the same takeaway that we're getting, yeah. knowing what we know in terms of what dwarves are like, what drives them, how this is all going to yeah. go. Um, so I get to keep it. Them sympathetic to keep yeah, him sympathetic, which you have to do across. And they do that yeah. in every storyline here. Everyone that mm-hmm. is the wrong one, except maybe Farazan, who we're going to see you soon, buddy. We're going to, we're going to be back on those shores. Uh, you have to give the older generation or the, even people as silly as like Malva and the Harfoot storyline, mm-hmm. they need something to be able to say the generational change over here is important. Cause even by the time we get to the events of like fellowship of the ring and stuff, that, that old young things looming over this current generation, um, it is so important. So, so Rachel, just so, because we could do a whole episode on Casa Doom, uh, but the because it's so good. Moving into the other storylines here, there's this thread that's in Casa Doom of our parent generation of dealing with failure, et cetera, et cetera, that is present in so many of these things. And especially in terms of the youth want to make a change, the youth are struggling with their place. And you see that with Theo, you see that with Nori. Where do you want to go next? Because we're going to hit them all, but just what 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 of jumps course. out next? Yeah. Um, I'd like to go to Theo because that really ties into the Galadriel of this episode too. And we all know, you know, Galadriel and and my love for her. Um, Mm -hmm. But in terms of bridging the Galadriel that they have established in the show and the Galadriel we know in Fellowship of the Ring, this show, this episode goes a long way. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think of the idea that um, I think most people in real life too, is better at giving advice than taking it for themselves, <laughs> you know? Yes. So you have Galadriel and Theo meeting up and both of them blaming themselves for what has happened and her giving him all of this incredibly sage and hopeful and profound advice that, I'm watching the entire time going, she's talking to herself too. Like mm-hmm. all of like, like don't hold good deed, uh, bad deeds as good because that will eat away at your heart. And it just makes me think of like how last week she almost let that mm-hmm. happen to her. Mm-hmm. And so it's really calling to all of the things that she's been going through. And then it puts a spotlight on Theo. Like, as you said, as a next generation, we'll make a soldier of you yet because she's giving him, you know, these ideas to keep in mind because there's more fight to come that is very clearly going to happen and he is going to have to continue to step up as he already has but don't step up and put this burden on your shoulder because you might not be able to get rid of it Um, again speaking about herself the the tempest in me (laughs) i cannot stop i I don't know what i am without a sword like yes like i love what you said about bridging it because you're so right like there's been there's been all kinds of opinions across the entire space and and we've had many opinions here it's been a complicated thing to see her so starkly different Mm -hmm. and then her whole forward momentum has quite literally blown up (laughs) in everyone's faces ellen deal blames her doesn't say it to her, but blames her right before she shows up. And it's this idea of almost an ironic softening that when suddenly the quest did come, at least this chapter to its conclusion, she finally almost has like more human moments. Suddenly she's referencing childhood. She's referencing her husband. She's referencing the old times. She's referencing 
all of the stuff that she's learned along the way. And it's almost like she's looking around at all this fire. And you said fire being a theme and, and being a motif across them all. That sort of idea of how it destroys, but also resets uh, right. is a very interesting thing there. So Nikki, uh, we're going to, we're going to come back to the husband thing. We're going to save that. <laughs> um, uh, and, and that's, that's the second I saw that I was like, sitting there with my whatever I was eating, like, oh, my God, I got to ask Rachel. I'm like, like where is Caliborn? I would much like to speak with him. <laughs> I would much like to see you in season two. Which I think they even outright said the other day in, in Variety, I want to say, uh, mm-hmm. that he that he's like, he's in, in case you were wondering. But, uh, Nikki, what did you take from, from these reactions? Because I think that the, the actor has been doing a wonderful job. But as oh, yeah. a written character, I think that Theo is like my most improved. And I was an unexpected duo that I didn't expect to love as much as I did. Yeah, I think that's that's a big thing. Because I remember talking with you in you know, the earlier episodes and being like, man, this someone kid. needs to just give Theo a little smack here. <laughs> you know, like, it's, not, it's not messing around with the wrong people. It's not messing around with that that weird uh, sword that has flames coming out of yeah. his hilt. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it's like... Uh, I think I think he needed this kind of thing, and I would not have ever guessed he would have gotten it with Galadriel, mm-hmm. um, which is which is again just one of the one of the great moments in any show that has a massive cast is when you start pairing people that you wouldn't think yep. would would like match, and yep. and oftentimes they don't, but then they they um mm-hmm. they sort of find each other again, and and I think yeah Theo Theo needed you know a new. Um, line of perspective and I think I think Galadriel also you know she um, she's obviously been through a lot but uh, to say the least but but the 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 eruption of you know what what we now or later call Mount Doom uh, colloquially is uh was a massive L like it just was I mean like she she was I think it was a massive humbling experience to her and gave her you know like the the self-awareness now where it's like i I remember when she was saying all those lines about the the not um letting bad deeds you know like not forgetting that um and i I was like it's like is she gonna like acknowledge herself in this and i think she did i remember the exact like line but it's like she did nail it in the end like (laughs) so like like are you you understand you're talking about yourself even theo uh, even theo has yeah. these moments of like like right this is, this is a lot which she did yeah. in the end and um and i thought that was a that was a good moment of 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 like a way to, for her to process what has happened and to not process it um unhealthily as she has other things because yeah. it's like because it was a, a massive defeat and um and the way it seems she's handled it now is sort of a refocusing mm-hmm. a some introspection some yeah you know, thinking like, about the, have, the good times <laughs> i have know, to like... wonder like there are there are dialogue parallels with peter jackson's films there are v- visual references to peter jackson's films it, th- this handing of the blade to theo is this a i interpret it as a reverse sort of like i'm not giving you a sword like aragorn receives you're putting aside it's almost put aside the commander, become the Lady of Lorien you were born to be, which we're still obviously far off from. But it, it, does anyone else, did, Rachel, did you pick up on some like, someone yeah. else will be the soldier now? The idea being that she has to be more than that. And mm-hmm. that we know she becomes more than that. And that there are other ways to fight. There are other ways to focus your attention. And she has been so 
like we said earlier, like, what am I without a sword in my hand? Yeah. Now, maybe she's at a place where she's ready to see. I have no doubt she's picking up the sword again. And there's a, a lot more fight in her. But now she's at least contemplating the idea that there is more beyond that. And again, generation, generationally speaking, it's hard amongst the elves, immortal and all that. But to see a young man who we heard Arndir talk to and say, you found more bravery in 14 years than I have in centuries. So like these elves looking at these people and seeing things from a different perspective because they aren't immortal. Mm-hmm. And I love how that sort of all ties into her evolution. And because I do take notes, I do have the quote and I just have to say it because it's really please, good. No, please. <laughs> uh, so Gladriel says to Theo, it darkens the heart to call dark deeds good. It gives place for evil to thrive inside us. Every war is fought both without and within of that. Every soldier soldier must be mindful. Even I, Mm. even you. Mm -hmm. So she's saying all this stuff to him. And as a viewer, you're like, excuse you. You've been dancing around this real closely the last few Mm. episodes. And then she makes the acknowledgement, even I. So um, it seems like Theo is actually the perfect person partner for that to come out for her because she's realizing that passing down her anger and her revenge and her it's you know the sword is the only way is is actually going to endanger somebody like him endanger other and other people losses that (laughs) were not explicitly shown but we know who who is believed to be gone we'll talk about Isildur and everything that happened there (laughs) we've seen the consequences with Muriel and and the loss of her sight but also in a very mythic way, you lose your sight, but you gain your sight. You lose your sight, but you gain perspective. And I mean, oh, sorry, the, the episode's called The Eye. And it's so, called The Eye. Like, and, we start on Galadriel's yeah. eye at the very beginning yep. uh, in what is an incredible shot. That's like gorgeous. cinematography, really playing up with the reds and the ash and everything. That was, and the symbolism, the horse riding by with the fire on it. Like I was like, I was really thought the direction in this this episode yeah. was, was incredibly well done. Yeah. Um, but Absolutely. just the idea of seeing. And that also ties into, again, if we want to keep talking about Galadriel and Theo, you know, he's like, how do you let go of the burden? And she says, you have to trust that there are other powers greater than the power of darkness and that they have Mm -hmm. a design. And he's like, well, if their design means I lose my home. And at that point, he probably thinks his mother is dead and my family, like, how can I believe in that without seeing that? And Mm -hmm. she still hasn't found a way, but I know that that's what she's working for. (laughs) This is Theo's Christmas movie. This is his (laughs) moment of seeing and believing this. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a theme for a reason, right? Like Mm -hmm. this, like, like Nikki to throw it over to you. Like, and we can all talk about this, like Galadriel's in her, in her, largest pop culture presence of course in the Kate Blanchett iteration that informs no doubt these creators and these writers and these scripts this idea of her as not being the initial you know she doesn't she doesn't have Gandalf's role of being the initial call to action let me bring you through the threshold but Mm -hmm. being sort of this like shepherd of heroes who does the gift giving uh at that at that key moment for the fellowship and sort of does that here for Theo that is looking at this literally smaller sort of shaggy haired young man and sort of doing the guidance and talking about this test, knowing these emotional tests, knowing what her real test will eventually be. Um, talk, talk to me a little bit about how you feel about her sort of stepping into that mentor role as you were watching these, because it's an interesting one that she didn't really have with her company because exactly, they had lost yeah. respect for her and yeah. Halbrin and her are 
too too much like peers to have it in the same way. Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting change. Yeah, and I think you know part of it goes back to sort of what you were hinting into introduce this like whole part is like like is is she sort of um learning how to spread responsibility <laughs> right like because i think part of it is you know i don't remember how many if they said how many years it's been since he, sauron's been gone and finrod's been dead but like she was very much on her own in a time of peace right like sort of driven her like you know her own drive is going I gotta go check this place. I gotta check this place. We're gonna go as north as we can go, um, and you know all that. And now I think she's she's sort of realizing this. Um, you know, it's here now. Like the the sort of the darkness that she felt was coming. It's it's like it's back, and you know she, I think she sees this as a like like m- more firmly as ever. This is like a war, a fight. We're not escaping um, mm-hmm. because you know the, the evidence is here like they've created their their land now um they can move in daylight and you know they're they're going to be a threat in this area and it's just going to grow and fester and and i think it has to be i think some sort of acknowledgement on her part that you know she can't just lead this this one elf crusade on on darkness and you know this is going to be so much bigger that you know she has to either um whether she does it you know intentionally or not like she's gonna have to learn to to trust the people around her and and empower them to also fight with her because maybe that maybe that's an issue with her her company at the beginning right like she was so one-track minded that she was leaving them behind literally up the up the mountainside Mm -hmm. and um and now it's now it's this thing of like i need to i need to foster these people yeah and and bring them with me and um it's like I don't ha- I, pretty soon I'm not going to have people telling me I was wrong. <laughs> like Absolutely. pretty soon we're all going to be in this. And in and... this destruction, she finds this resolve where she takes Muriel's vow as a certainty. Mm-hmm. And it's not a question for her as she has in their darkest hour, as everybody has faced here, we talked about Durin's darkest hour and the darkest hour of this plot line. It's no, I believe in them more now because yeah. I've even seen now what they're able to tap into um and you know rachel we'll start with you on the other half of the mordor plot uh which by the way we can call it the mordor plot now it's no longer the southland storyline uh shout out to joseph joseph mall uh our our cold hands for having Mm. (laughs) and on the episode of like welcome to hell like (laughs) i won Uh, he's the only one that didn't face failure in, in this episode he faced rousing success um but rachel bringing us into into our Numenorians and Southlanders, this idea of you, some of them have lost, some of them only believe that they have lost, uh, unless you are Beric, who does not believe. And let me tell you, I don't think I've cried at an animal scene in years. I welled up when he let that horse go. I could, one shot, one beautiful shot of a horse going up a hill, sent, I was... <laughs> Hidalgo flashbacks. Well, I, all, I, all I could think about was Aragorn and Drago, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, I love this! I love this this tie." Because yeah. yeah, at this point, thing you know, right out there, Isildur is not dead, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I have definitely. very large suspicions that uh, Beric is going to help in his rescue or find him or whatever. And I'm here for all of it, um, yeah. for sure. But what um, we were talking about is how. 
you know, this was a, a big L for the good guys. But out of that comes a everybody reacts to that and it's how you react to the losses it's how you re- react to, to the failures that yeah. matters because you can't change the past and all of these characters know that and you can even say this about the harfoots too and i know we'll talk about it but the same through line is there you can sit and say this was all my fault and wallow and regret and everything else or you can take stock you can move forward with a new sense of urgency with a new sense of commitment and it was very stark and very well done to have Midiel and Ellen Deal react in exact opposite ways. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really, really well done. And also very surprising to all of us who know the story. Ellen Deal is supposed to be staunch faithful, but we're now giving him this wrinkle of thinking that his son is dead, which could change his perspective. And if we go back to Numenor, where half the population wants to go back to the old ways with the elves and the other half does not, and we've clearly seen Ariane, his daughter, on the other side, whereas Isildur was. So where does Elendil go with this? And I think that's a great setup, um, a, a great uh, obstacle to give that character. Meanwhile, you have Midiel, who is now more committed than ever mm-hmm. to coming to Middle-earth. And what I find so fascinating about that is, again, I sometimes I don't want to give away a ton of stuff that I know happens uh, that is coming. Like I know we all know the big markers, but I I don't want to say too much, but in terms of her relationship with Farazhan, just got more interesting to me, Mm -hmm. like looking forward to it. And the fact that she invokes her father's name, not the Elvish version, but the, um, they, they, they call them the Kingsmen version. Oh, the Tar version. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Instead of Tar, um, Palantir, which is his elvish name, she calls him R. Inzilador, which, so that's Farazon is an R. Farazon. She's a Tar Muriel. So those are the two camps. And the fact that she invokes her father's name using the other side, the other camp's name, naming ways, yeah. just spoke to me that, like, they all want, we even know that Farazon was actually not against them going to Middle Earth. He's against them allying with the elves, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he is all about spreading Numenorean yeah. power. And so far, it's and, been a win for him. I mean, they did install Halbrand, which is yep. what his point A was. Yep. And and they did, while they lost the Southlands, the actual location, they saved a big group of the people. Yeah. And that was a win for themselves because now they have a group of people and they I found it very fascinating that they're going to Pelardir, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is on the ocean. It's the mouth of the Anduin river. And for people who watch the Lord of the Rings, that's where Aragorn and the army of the dead go and take out all the Corsairs, which yeah. is um, Peter Jackson's cameo in return of the King. And then, then they take the boats <laughs> up the Anduin. So like, so some people might actually recognize that name and it is a location that we have technically seen in the movies. Um, but that just means that these people are essentially going to become Gondorians to yeah. some extent, like not Numenorians who became Gondorians, but other races that sort of mixed in with that, which mm-hmm. I thought that was a, a really interesting way to go about it, but it does give me hope for their future as a people. And an interesting note that 
you are under the impression it's the episode is so compelling that it, you lose yourself in each storyline i had forgotten that i hadn't checked in with halbrand and then we saw that he was gravely injured needs elvish medicine um and you know there was no there was no live tyler unfortunately to show up and and, and speak elvish but <laughs> no but now to, it's an excuse to bring him to linden and let me tell you exactly that's another point in the sauron column <laughs> he's he's not got, uh, I thought, oh, you know, it's maybe he'll, but he's going to be a king and settle his people. And then I was like, wait, you're not going to be with your people? What storyline are you going to? Oh, no. <laughs> like, you're going over here. You're going to go. How are your... we going to get him up to Eregion? Well, here's a way. Yeah. Also, what yeah. happened to him? Yeah. They didn't getting... find him earlier. Mm-hmm. They just found mm-hmm. him on the side of the road and he doesn't look burned. He looks like he was stabbed. He looks like Who he was stabbed. Why they leave him still alive? There are a lot of big questions. Those are the the very, this is the most TV in a good way. The most TV uh, moment here was the, you're in bad shape. You seem okay. I love the moment of like, we find ourselves on another raft and, and sort of that, that alliance that's happened here. Uh, Nikki, you and I have joked off air a lot about about the Sauron of it all and how we we've, it's starting to come into who is Ray territory between, (laughs) between uh, 2015 and 2017 to the point of like, Okay. All right. We get, uh, yep. This is clearly, if it is or not, it's clearly a, they are having so much fun mm-hmm. uh, jerking us around in different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Mindiki, my question for you is how long uh, while he's on the healing table until Kellebrim Borg comes and pitches him? Does his elevator pitch? I'm kidding. That's not the question. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're like they're like wheeling him in, and Kellebrim Borg trying to catch up. Kellebrim Borg is like, you said you said he was a Smith. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nikki, how did you feel sort of about the way that we uh, sort of tied the storyline together? Because we we are also need something to talk about Aaron Deer and Bronwyn. We mm. we had that reunion, which was man, I tell you that that stepdad stepson hug. That is. That right was... below during Elrond. <laughs> that right was the other one for in me. In terms of emotion for me. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful. And I, Bear McCreary, you're my enemy now for that musical fake out for that random corpse. Yeah. I believe they had me. I didn't think they'd fake me out on her twice in two different <laughs> episodes, and they did. So, Nikki, tell me about this reunion and how we wrapped the story of men in this episode. Yeah, I, um, I think, first of all, in terms of like, a little eye to the future. I was really excited to hear about the the Pelagier mm. um, stuff because I like. I'm really excited to see just from a design standpoint mm-hmm. up for the show how they build that out because it becomes quite prosperous and mm-hmm. this sort of like you know first uh, first port of entry into the, the kingdom and stuff and and so it's that alone just. Because, you know, you know, Rings of Power, it, when they can hit you with an establishing shot of a location, like, they're going to go all the way. And I, feel, and I feel like we get some, we can get some pretty cool ones uh, later down the line. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, keeping so much focused on, on Theo Bronwyn and, and Arondir, it's like this, the, that hug just solidified everything we've seen for seven episodes. And even just going back to like, you know, at the beginning, Theo is like, what's that elf guy doing here? You know, <laughs> and now they're like, a long way. <laughs> yeah. And now now it's like, oh, my God, thank you for being here. Thank you for, I, you know, keeping my mom safe. Thank you right. for being safe yourself. You know, it's like it's just this moment of like we're, we, we can be OK. The show's been a great like 
you've misjudged the elves sort of season and mm. they've done their fair share of misjudging no doubt mm-hmm. but every storyline uh, except for the harfoots has this moment of like actually elves are great it's just about conversations which is kind of about having them about listening uh and and it goes both ways you know mm-hmm. and they're realizing there was that great point that alex damon brought up in our, our udun review that the it's Arandir destroys the tower that represented oppression. It wasn't, I had connected that and it's still kind of this, I think of, of like, he's willing to break with elven tradition, the cutting of the tree and everything, but really on the bigger level of, I am no longer a watchman. I am no longer a cop for this area. Like I I'm in here with you. I'm in this tent. I'm not leaving either. I, I, I wondered for a second if, there would if Galadriel would say we're going to Linden or yeah. are you coming? And no, it's like I'm here and we're gonna have we're gonna have the Theo Jr. half Elven very soon. Uh, the, uh it, it I wouldn't be surprised if this was just a family that we stuck with for the rest of the show, and I would be absolutely in love with that. And there and is the- actually precedent. Like the mm. uh, so Pelardir is not far from Dol Amroth, which is another mm. Gondorian um, on the ocean, um, one of their major cities. And the legends basically say that like when you meet somebody from Dol Amroth, they look like they have elvish blood in them because there were elves that you know, um, oh, yeah. lived on those shores and they worked very closely together for a long time. And while you know the stories basically say there weren't very many. Um, unions between the two. We know the big ones in the Silmarillion, but there was probably more than that and not, you know, didn't make mm-hmm. it into the songs, didn't make it into the stories, but that the blood shows through generations and generations later. So oh, I, I had that. immediately went to that and mm-hmm. I was like, that's probably me just hoping beyond all hope that <laughs> yeah. they, they, they make it through the whole series, which yeah. Cut to season five, the song of Arandir and Bronwyn and the founders of the, I I would. That's the kind of, hey, there's a line about this in the Legendarium that's not fleshed out. Do it. Like, we can get in there. Like, that's really exciting to me. Nikki, you were having a Yeah, no, that'd be cool. I I always always love a Dal Amroth mention. (laughs) Very very classy. Very classy already. Uh, Imra Hill, is that the... the Imra Hill, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... I think that's that's an exciting thing again just from the mention of where they're going it's like because Gondor is so um homogenized in mm-hmm. the movies I love this idea that we might get a little bit of this like oh all the little vassal states and mm-hmm. and stuff right. like that um forming but um I forgot where we were the original like point no, of, no. I guess, in terms of, that, like, that was so exciting yeah. that I was like <gasps> like you're right like that's so cool yeah I think I think um, with Bronwyn and and um, you know the, the trio. I think that's the the magic of having characters that you've just created for for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, they can do anything. They can be wherever you want them mm-hmm. to be. Um, so I think yeah, I think we're we're with them for the long haul. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that stuff. And before we have uh, any forward movement into the grove and the apples and everything that happens in our our final big storyline, uh, are there any other ideas that jumped out to you all here? Um, thematically, character-wise, uh, that really stuck with Ooh. you in terms of anybody that that was going down here. I know Elendil's got to go pick up Narsil, so like that that's sad, yeah. but it's also hype. I wanted him yeah. back on that island to pick it up yeah. in some way. Um, I remember early on being like, "Oh, 
their their soft friend is not gonna make it <laughs> he's gonna oh he's gonna yeah. Get oh. Yeah. Um, yeah 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 one, one of them yeah. was not going to to make it out of that well uh, he did the he did the mortal sin of all police dramas of saying that he was gonna retire <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. like yeah oh and he had his uh girlfriend fiance wife whatever her role was yeah uh on numenor uh, during mm-hmm. the partying before so that's two that's two sins antomo that yep. will yeah. get you killed in these types of stories nice um and we know valendil's gone a goner at some point too Has but to it, that it'll be in some sort of saving isildur yeah. way that maybe he's leading a son being named yep. after is he leading the garrison that stays perhaps we yeah. haven't gotten an exact oh, yeah, we've that. not gotten visual confirmation about uh, which who's, uh, who's there. Yeah. So that we know that they're they're gone by the end. They're sailing. Uh, there is one just like hilarious mental image I have that hopefully we get in the finale of the what I call the surprise mother effer, which is Galadriel and Gilgalad seeing each other for the first time <laughs> since he thought he got rid of her. Right. Unless he has some sort of I don't know, Rachel. You could tell me. Is there is there a magical way that he would know that she didn't cross or that she's back? Not that Probably I'm aware not. of. And I do, I do get the sense that there hasn't been a lot of opportunity for sending messengers to. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it, I don't know how lo- this. Here we go with like the Game of Thrones illusions. I do not know how long it's going to take her and Halbrand to get to Linden. My guess is we're probably just going to kind of jump there to have all of the information finally shared amongst everybody because she also yeah. needs to learn about the fading that is Best. happening. Yeah. And and they're all essentially going to put two and two together, that it's the coming of Sauron, the destruction of the Southlands, the fading. And I think that's going to what's going to spur Celebrimbor to, you know, work a little harder because he wants to create something that could prep perhaps help them or stem that tide or, or whatever it is. Yeah. So uh, this is what I'm he sure. wanted beyond ultimately he kind of really did yeah you wanted a you wanted a chance to make an impact that mattered and you wanted significance Mm -hmm. and and there's a lesson here as well or an anti-lesson there's a theme of people potentially learning the wrong lessons here where the the last time gilgalad had any effect on that storyline was calling back the rangers and calling back the watchman Mm -hmm. uh and the watch the watch warden he's like we got a letter from the high king it's time to leave and then all this happens that could almost reinforce Gilglad in the wrong way of like, I knew we should have watched him. I was right. Look what happens. Some man facilitated this that we're <laughs> keeping an eye on. I, I knew that they had this in them. So there's potential there for even more clashing. And then, you know, maybe Gilglad and maybe Halburn just punches Gilglad in the face. Who knows what happens? <laughs> uh, I, those are not characters that I think are going to be pals uh when we get to that storyline but i have of us oh go ahead last point and then i want to yeah i just want to say just this is a short one just because i didn't mention him um as someone whose team i don't want anyone we've seen so far to be sauron (laughs) it's it's impossible to not just always draw attention to how sus halbrand is (laughs) like (laughs) like, it's just like man like because i remember we were we talked uh, you know a lot about um how we felt about him in particular being Sauron. Yeah. And just like, um, yeah, it was just like, and here's another card and here's another card. And I was like, Oh mm-hmm. no. <laughs> like, what's, and what's they could all doing? not lead there. That's I know, the brilliance yeah, of the way they're yeah. doing it. There yeah. are plenty of other explanations that will totally work. But <laughs> yeah, at really. this point they have to know we're all going 
They just hello, like you're right giving here. us every reason in the book yeah. <laughs> yep. to think that that's what this is. And this was a real big one. The fact that he's going back with her, yeah. I was just like, this is, yeah. But I, but I'm enjoying it. I'm, in, yeah. I'm I, they seem to be having so much fun with it, and I'm I'm having. But then fun it's with like, uh, the, the, and they they could go full TV, have Killer Brimbor bring him into the forge, and be like, by the way, Halbrand, this is my apprentice, Anatar. Season ends. Oh, season like, as I've said, the most you. beautiful actor ever cast. <laughs> like, as I said to you, I blame Brian Cogman. Yeah. <laughs> like, that man spent too much time in Thrones to be, <laughs> yeah. to be too in- so innocent. He's yep. messing with us. Yep, absolutely messing it, with us. Uh, and then that storyline must, of course, connect with our three wizard sorcerer mages, whatever's going on there in the Harfoot storyline. Once again, the greatest teacher failure is once again finding the gray. There's a destructive, dangerous, scary moment, but it also did work. For the stranger, yeah. he did resurrect the trees of the grove. The Harfoots did make a change, and finally, the nomadic ancestors of the people that must settle literally <laughs> can no longer be nomadic and are going on an adventure. Yeah. Um, unless they just rebuild all those cards, which Largo seems <laughs> to be like, Hey, we keep moving. That trailer line of hearts bigger than our feet. I was like, Oh my god, the dad stuff. Uh, <laughs> gonna go watch the Guardians the- too. Oh. It's so Boy. good because Nori is is on the brink of regretting it all. She even says it yeah. to her mother, like I'm I should special. never have fallen mm-hmm. that star. I'm just a a Harfoot. I I'm not. Yeah, I'm not special. But that's not true because the Harfoots are special just in a very different way. And that was always the story of the Hobbits. They aren't great fighters. They aren't you know great leaders. They 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 aren't the 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 big focus and heroes and stories. And nope. yet what makes them good and what makes them important is their outlook on life and their outlook yeah. on being there for each other. Yeah. Um, and the way that whole scene comes together, I mean, it's oh. basically like, you're not going without me, you know, could just like oh. a redone in the Harfoot way, but it's so just, good. It was great. It was and just also just so an lovely. unexpected choosing too, of who would be in the party. Mm-hmm. Like Sadok yes. makes sense, probably makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, for Marigold, I believe is her mother. Yes, like, that's her mother's name. For her to jump in, being the one that had cautioned against it is so much mm-hmm. more thematically poignant than if it was Largo, which Absolutely. would have been still nice and easy. Um, mm-hmm. But for her to make that choice. So this storyline, like the stranger does leave. He's heading toward a nearby settlement of, of men. He's uh, headed towards Greenwood the Great, a.k.a. what becomes Mirkwood. Oh, so now the oh. theories are much stronger oh. in the Radagast courts that isn't it man he's yes, gonna, nature. we're gonna catch nature. the stranger next episode with a pipe hey i like hey, it here Birth the group. fact that he heals the tree and the fact yeah. that he scared away yeah. the wolves do speak to radagast's particular yeah. um traits as yes, a wizard that is um, so and to be true. heading to green with the great i was like wow okay point in that corner yeah, um i love that that's why he, they're they're never gonna catch him because he's got his rabbit sleigh already i know i love i look those movies we could do a whole podcast on that maybe we will at some point do some rewatches but i cheer for the rabbits every time i love them they're, they're so charming good. they're great um, the the moment though that I think was probably the most like holy ass moment that I've had in this show was that trailer shot of blowing the embers seemed very chill. And I thought they were going to track him with the magic of the, and then all of a sudden an entire society is changed. 
and they they have destroyed i was in shock i did not yeah. and i was it was pure sadness uh it was just was in a, case you were thinking they might be good guys <laughs> yeah. like they, they maybe yeah, like, oh now, they no. didn't just attack her they're standing behind yeah. her nope. no <laughs> it was and largo standing up to them was big uh yeah. nikki what were your your first impressions of this whole storyline because it is again it's a rock bottom but finding a new resolve that we have seen across everything but these were our innocence. These are, are not connected to the big conflict until the big conflict shows up and makes them connected. I, I, first of all, I just want to say for as many orcs and flaming demon looking things the show has, like this, this to me was like the first time I was scared watching. Like this was like actually mm. scary. We had like the, the orc creeping around the, the barn and house and stuff. Yeah. Um, way back but these people are really like unsettling and Mm -hmm. um there's obviously because there's there's so so much like supernatural element to them um and you know almost like uh you know to to bring up Macbeth again it's almost like these three weird (laughs) sisters right like coming around and Mm -hmm. they're they can appear in different places and and yeah I think it, it was just like it was it was such a like unsettling moment and again, to put it on the Harfoots who are the uh, most uh, sort of wholesome and ill-equipped, maybe even uh, you know, in terms of physicality and um, weaponry, like in terms of like just defending themselves simply, like to put them up against this power that, I mean, to my knowledge, like I wouldn't even know where to place like these in in my, in my understanding of like, yeah. mi- like Middle Earth and everything yeah. like i uh, don't is this like, like the wizard initiation party yeah like i fuck like, yeah <laughs> and like like i i think like my thing with like the whole stranger storyline is like i i'm not making predictions like yeah it's just like i'll just see what they got because it's like, been way more amorphous than the yeah. sauron conversation yeah right? like in the hallbrand side for sure yeah. more points and more columns i would right. say yeah and so it's like um yeah i think it was just it was just such an unsettling scene and and to have to to make it this part where um we've seen how the Harfoots uh camouflage themselves when I mean the two guys with like the big antler things on their backs, like yeah, they, they all shut down their little village and they all like hid. And the the one time one Harfoot breaks the camouflage and is like, Hey, um they get went their that whole, way. Yeah. they get their whole world wrecked. And it's right. it, it plays into the ideas of of grayness that Muriel speaks to, and it I think it's sometimes, and it's not wrong, but it's it's easy to say like House of the Dragon and Martin's world gray, this world there is good and evil, and that's that is largely true, broad strokes. Good and evil are more defined here. But Rachel, to throw it to you thematically here, these mistakes this innocent girl causing the destruction in a roundabout way of her community, which they sort of feared. So that's more, again, like Galadriel, more fears coming to pass, yeah. but they, thankfully they did not blame her uh, like I thought they would. But then also the idea that it it is horrific when he's bringing the tree back to life and it is dangerous and people do almost get hurt by those branches and everything, but then it worked and then it was still beautiful. What do you think that that is trying to tell us? I think it ties into the idea of the eye and seeing and not always being able to see mm-hmm. what you need to see in anything that, you know, mm-hmm. not everything is always instantaneous. And the people talking about 
premonitions and talking about, you know, the the higher power is invoked. Durin the third talks about it, Galadriel talks about it, and they are much more far seeing than we are. And it ties into like, so do we just sit around because it's all been predetermined, or yeah. do we have a say in our own destinies and the things that we do and the reactions we have and the choices we make. So I really thought that it, it tied all into that really, really well. Um, and that the stranger is essentially still learning. It's, it's like a child, you know, mm -hmm. he's this giant amongst the smallest characters in the story, but he's the one that knows the least mm -hmm. and understands the least and has a good heart. Like that has been clearly established and it's not for, a wanting to help them. It's just not necessarily understanding um, or being able to see exactly how he can or how long yeah. it will take to do that and whatnot. And so you have these knee jerk reactions and then they turn out to be wrong. So in fact, Nori was the one who could see the clearest about mm -hmm. what he was and who he was and what his heart was. So I thought that was all really, really well done. Um, but also doing the plot thing, you got to move him on. And so that you can move on the mystics to come through to keep chasing him. And a lot of people are using the mystics as the reason why the stranger is Sauron. Why would they be chasing him otherwise? Mm -hmm. But I think it's more a case of they think he might be rather yeah. than definitely is. Because yeah. we've heard several different people talk about the legends of the falling star and it meaning something. Mm -hmm. um, and the Harfoots have talked about it. And uh, Waldrick talked about it. So... It's more of a, some people think he is something, but mm -hmm. we might find out that it's something completely different. Right. That only time's going to tell. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that the mystics are, they're the dweller, the ascetic, and the nomad are what they're billed mm -hmm. as. Nice. And they are, like you were saying, the hardest to tie to what Tolkien has written. Mm -hmm. They really don't fit anything exactly they could be maya and just others that were never mentioned in yeah. books that is that would help describe or explain why they have some powers or and i i kind of am leaning more towards the theory that they were just followers of morgoth who he taught how to use the dark arts that sauron was trying to learn in his castle up in the ford with yeah they have they learned at the, the the feet of the master, so they have attained some dark power. And are they acting out of fear because of that, right? Like, if we were Morgoth followers and all of a sudden the Valar sent someone down, a protector, we got to kill him before he knows what he is. Right. Like, like, so there's a lot of ways that that could go, which, again, just speaks to the writers saying, yeah, we're not giving any of this to you easily. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. either, way, either way works with the story that they have told so far. Um, so, uh, but I do like, it's very interesting that, that, that the mystics are one of the least, they're, they're not the easy thing to figure out for, even mm -hmm. for us lore nerds who are just like turning every page and going, could that be this? Could this be tied yeah. to that? <laughs> like even the Caliborn stuff, which I, I suppose we'll wrap up with, like, yes. like I, my head went to a completely different idea because of some precedent that was set in, sure. um, in the in the books and whatnot but but that's also the fun of it we've not seen these characters before we're finally getting a more sense but we haven't heard them say a word right have they said anything 
No, I I, I don't think so. I don't even think they even say anything no. before they blow. They the definitely fire. in this ep didn't in this episode. And I can't remember yeah. if they did in episode five when they find the crater. But there's like, just always a, a very ominous chanting in the school. The music, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the music yeah. certainly yeah. is is just doing yeah. a lot of talking for them. Right. Yeah. Um, but they are clearly powerful. They are clearly clearly at this time we now know that they're antagonistic um mm -hmm. and uh, and their goals do not seem to be in line with the goals of the good guys so no. uh yeah, and i love that the curious. the good guys including the harfoots finally like they're not intimately tied to the conflict the conflict has found them whatever it is but there is at least as sadok points out in their own mythology they're aware of are they aware of volcanoes just for period or are they aware like of the legends say some... there are fire mountains yeah and then he ties it into and it's a sign of evil rising yes you it's know? like Which the is... earliest harfoots did they yep. because it, you know they're condensing and they're playing with things so maybe the the sadox ancestors knew about big men that fell in with something bad yeah. and things like that so uh, also, Nikki, what are your yeah, yeah just go through yeah. what are your last thoughts on on this storyline here i i I first and foremostly, because we are in large parts driven by spite, um, I I want to just co collectively deliver the L to the people who are being snotty online, saying, why does Sauron look like Eminem? Yeah. And it's like, oh, Lord. you didn't know yeah. what the hell you were talking about then, and, yep. you, and clearly, you, still don't. you clearly don't now. There's also a non-binary performer, I believe, uh, yeah, who yeah. is very clearly presenting when you actually like you know look at the screen <laughs> instead of just meeting yeah. yeah yeah and it's like so like you know what i was people were annoying then i'm glad the show has <laughs> told them to stop talking yes. <laughs> and, yes. and just relax um but yeah i think it's uh like i like i was saying earlier like this it, this was an unsettling part and i'm i'm just really just continually intrigued by by where this is going to go. I think, I think the, the sort of hints towards uh, a wizard mm -hmm. are, is like super fun. Obviously um, it's such a key piece of, uh, you know, this world. It's like, it's like not having a lightsaber in star Wars forever. And then a lightsaber, someone finds a lightsaber. And it's like, Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it's yeah. so cool to just sort of like imagine that entering the world. And then, um, yeah, I, I'm really excited about the uh, the team up. I think I think it's it was it's so, so many awesome. it's so many good um, good feelings about you know what these people represent and and yeah like the it, it was like getting Sam like three times right like, like, you're not, you're, like <laughs> yeah. you know it's uh yeah it's 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 and it's cool to see how um, again like like with Theo and Galadriel you know mm -hmm. character pairings and. You're yep. going to take them away from the society and now forge these four people really tightly mm -hmm. into each other. And um, Poppy, I think, uh, Poppy okay. specifically saying, we've left enough people behind after knowing that all of Poppy's family died and yeah. that they're in their their traditions, we wait for you. Similarly to these, this dwarf and this elf calling each other brothers, yeah. she has now deemed the stranger family. She has made, she was the one that had that emotional breakthrough of we've left enough people behind the Samwise role. But then, like you said, uh, you know, tripled and quadrupled down uh, the fact that Sadak wants to go as well. It's that visual parallel to the four hobbits, but it's also just this idea of Nori being validated even in failure in the same way that Galadriel is in the same way that Doran has been. Yeah, Nori, it did work out that way. But look at what your community learned 
that then made because if they didn't learn these lessons they would have blown up on you and de-wheeled you and it would have been your fault but in failure you find out yes you are special yes they did learn they do care they've acknowledged what good he's given despite the scary moments um with the wolves with the trees now and this idea that nori has fulfilled i think her potential at least up to to this point of course she has a longer journey to go but in the tradition of frodo and bilbo as being like the main halfling of of a tolkien story she's found i think familiar ground but also new ground i think her motivation for being on an adventure is obviously very different than bilbo's who is more forced (laughs) out the door as gandalf will tell you but the the idea of like her fulfilling that classic theme of like who are who are the halflings emotionally and mentally what makes them different and how she has a greater resolve even in failure than at least for the episode parallels like it's 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 elendil the captain that we see cry it's nori the halfling that we see charge on and i think that that is so important for this and i said this on the show before there's a reason why when you play lord of the rings online that the hobbits have a resistance to dread like that (laughs) that is a stat that you are given it's an advantage you are able to walk near things without being affected that other players can't and that is just so present here and everything so uh, let's end here on the husband watch 2022. Um, you need a graphic a, now for this it. Was a, I know. I'm a, again, <laughs> I keep making Kornacki jokes whenever I talk about like regions and stuff, but yeah. I feel like I need a bachelor graphic yeah. of just kill, kill a boy with a rose. Like, uh, like uh, so Rachel, uh, this was um, pretty big, pretty big. Oh, lots of lots of comments throughout the season about is Adar connected to Kelleborn? Is Adar this? Is Adar that? Is Kelleborn dead? Do they? Is it a rights issue? Now <laughs> you know it's not. He's coming. He's out there, but they haven't seen each other since he left, which has yeah. been a long time. <laughs> oh, like well over a thousand years, I think closer to two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- for me, you know, all the speculation and stuff, I figured they were just changing the timeline as to when she met him mm-hmm. and this would have written that into the show, but this was, so this was a twist I did not see coming. Um, but it was written clearly in a way that it was the last time she saw him. So it's more probably an assumption that he's dead. Um, rather than he actually is. Because again, there's certain things that can't go against and the fact remains Celeborn is in the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. So they have to figure a way around that. The slightly less obvious but lore head way that it could go is that there is one character in um, Tolkien mythology who is born again. An elf dies in the fall of Gondolin. His name is Glorfindel. Oh, hell yeah. You were talking <laughs> yeah. about him last night, Rachel. Oh yeah, my god. Like, will they do it? Will they do, do will it, they, they put Caliborn <laughs> in the Glorfindel mode? It doesn't work completely because yeah. Caliborn is a cinder... Um, uh, an elf of Doriath, not uh, an older, mm. but I think that they could probably work their way around that pretty easily. Yeah. Um, but because there has been one instance of an elf that died in Middle Earth, was reborn in Amon, and actually came back to Middle Earth, means that that is something I believe they could do. Yeah. Um, in this, combine them into, or at least functionally give him that. Could you just make the function be? That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I've also seen. So that's the other. That- yeah. 
I see speculation that he might have already founded or is founding the settlement in Lorien. Is do you think that that's possible, or is that off? That's. I mean, it would be playing with chronology per on a big scale because they yeah. found it based on events that haven't happened yet. However, yeah, certainly plausible. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you're looking for reasons for him to still be in Middle Earth, having not died during the War of Wrath, but. Um, has not been seen by Galadriel means you have to put him somewhere that she would never cross paths with him. And I don't know, give him amnesia or something because it would be a little weird that he wouldn't try to come and find her. But these are all possibilities. And therefore, you know, I'll be really curious to see what all of the the writers, what they decide on to do that. But even more than the revelation, it was her talking about how they met. Yes. Um, Beautiful. And, and just like it is the most vulnerable and personable you've ever seen her to like have a dancing so pure about in the way that Theo reacts is how the audience reacts like you <laughs> like yeah. you know that just goes to tell you that again they've she's lived for thousands upon thousands of years so and not all of them were during the war of wrath so there are other memories there are other pieces to her character yeah. that she has probably subsumed under all this revenge and need to carry the sword and everything else, but they're still there. Um, and I just love that, that image because it's also the story of Baron and Luthien. He came upon Luthien dancing in a glade and that's how we fell in love with her. And they're the ultimate man and elf relationship from the first age. Um, and then the silver clam comment, just, love it's that. all so personable and personal um, that it just Very shows the entire and- other side. Into that theme that we talked about, a fire resets. It burns everything down, but it resets. When you've burned the commander of the Northern Armies and her entire quest, what's left is this woman that had this life. And suddenly she's like, oh, wait, I'm like we talked about. I need to be more. But I also was already more. I was a sister. I was a wife. I was a dancer. I was all these things that that I didn't think that I could be anymore, which is a really exciting thing. Quick note before we close on your last thoughts, Nikki, about Glorfindel. Look, I'm no lore expert. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm far away from the rank of lore master. But I remember as a kid loving Fellowship and my uncle telling me, you know, there's a character in the books that was so powerful. Of course, you're explaining this to me like a five-year-old at the time. He's like, he was so powerful that he couldn't even be on the team because he just radiated so much power. It's like in my, you know, I'm a Dragon Ball Z kid too. So I was like, (laughs) wow, like, who is this guy? Like, so I've always had a childhood fascination with Glorfindel just being so rad Mm -hmm. that he is like so thunderous that he would have given away the secrecy just by existing is incredible to me so if, if they want to put jeff bezos money into just making glorfindel the greatest thing that's ever been on tv ever or giving kelleborn some of those traits i will not be mad at it so nikki uh last thoughts before we wrap up here um yeah i think uh i think in terms of the episode like in terms of yeah or... Kel- kelleborn thing and then yeah we'll wrap and we'll do oh kelleborn yeah i think I'm. I'm just. I thought it was. I was just surprised to hear his name. <laughs> like, I don't have any like insight that Rachel didn't already give. Um, yeah. But like, I was just like, wow. Okay. Because yeah, I I had assumed that maybe they would meet, and like it would be sure. A, yeah. But um. But no. It 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 sort of feeds into her. 
the way in the way sort of um <laughs> Finrod's death does it sort of feeds into that yeah. isolation of Galadriel, I think, and the mm. and the way that she thinks like she just looks at everything, I lost my brother, lost my my husband, I lost you know, now my uh my best friend betrayed me, tried to send me off, you know, kind of thing. Like mm. it just sort of now feeds into that calculus of her Oh, Ever and it'll thought. it'll end those conversations too, which I was tired of seeing the whole like, is Elrond or Galadriel and Elrond in love? And I was just like, I, don't know, I get why people maybe say that because the actors are so good, but I was hoping that there would be something that's like, we have made definitive plans for Elrond the son-in-law. <laughs> like we can finally right, like yeah. <laughs> move that incorrectly. So that was just a good note, and uh, yeah, yeah, to have those. It's 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 this is a new it's the same it's the same woman but it's a new chapter like I think yeah. that she had been positioned as like the main person so to have her now move forward but continue Rachel throw it out there I was just gonna say now that made me think does she have a daughter already Yeah the ne- it'll be the next Theo conversation I oh, right like you know what I mean <laughs> now that we know that there was a husband and they were married for a long time I I don't the timing wouldn't work but clearly they 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 can brush aside that stuff very easily like yeah. you know Caliborn never disappeared for over a century um mm-hmm. and Calabrian was I believe born in the second age but couldn't be if Caliborn has been missing for all that time she would have had to been mm-hmm. born in the first age which I don't know if they would do but yeah. it does raise the question it's like we didn't know that she had been married we heard that now we're gonna right. get bomb drop that she has a and it's it's finally in the first episode it was much was made and we talked about it here like oh she doesn't actually name Finrod maybe they can't and we only got Finrod in Amazon yeah. subtitles. Now we've named him. We've had her declare her house and everything. So mm-hmm. things are shaping up, and it has been a wonderful episode and discussion. And I cannot wait for our finale party episode, uh, which will deliver. Oh, and I love is that we don't know what it's going to deliver. We knew when the battle was coming. We knew when the post-destruction was coming. We have no idea what episode 8 looks like, will be like, will feel like, and that's exciting and liberating. So, thank you for being uh, my companions here today on this journey, uh, filling in for Ken. Of course, Ken will be back next week. He was off in the, the distant lands of the Forward Waith of New York City. <laughs> the, the mountains of New York. Uh, out there doing comedy and making people laugh and, and spreading joy. Uh, he will be returning here. Uh, I am uh, Alden Diaz here pretty much every week doing both of the shows and you can find me at that alt d-a-z D-I-A-Z, co-hosting uh, star wars podcasts nikki is on one of them on octo radio and then uh writing around the internet and uh yeah having fun talking about this nerd stuff rachel where can they yeah, find you uh, uh at uh, rachel cushing levine all one word on twitter or um instagram and i'm sorry i haven't been on too many of the house of the dragon recaps but you know i would take a lot for me to miss one of these rings of power ones and i'm sad that next week will be our last one for a while so i don't blame you for choosing hope you know if there's one that you need to move the schedule around for i do not blame you hey the last Uh, one had a good nice little little hope injected into it that's true true. (laughs) we'll give a we'll give a cross show shout out to leonor valarian there you go Uh, (laughs) and then nikki what about you sir yeah you can uh find me on twitter at nikwishis n-a-q-u-i-c-i-o-u-s um, I also do some uh, Star Wars stuff on the Imperial Senate podcast. You can check that out as well. Yep. And then for right now, just everybody, make sure that you head down to the links below. Like, subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter. That's right there. I love these mirrored shots. Boom. At Casually Talk for the show as a whole. Head down into the links and then find our way to support us on all the podcast feeds on YouTube as well. Tell your friends we're now a partner channel. Thank you so much for following along. But we 
we'll catch you next time for the finale. The Marie.